Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes in a Nissan Pathfinder, search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. And we continue here with Our American Stories. On the morning of September 11th, 2001, Peter Braxton was the first military pilot in the air over the burning Twin Towers. It was his first day on the job, and this is his story. Here's Peter. My name is Peter Braxton from upstate New York, originally Rome, New York, a little town. Uh, There was a base there called Griffiths. Air Force Base, and my father was in the Air Force, and I guess this is where the story begins. My father, you know, sat me down when I was 15, and he, you know, he had this kind of father-to-son conversation, and he was, you know, a man of few words, but he said, hey, you should serve this country before you enjoy this country. You will look back on your service fondly. And I... You know, I was 15, I didn't know what that meant. But I did have an older brother who was about two and a half years older than me, and he ended up going to the Air Force Academy. So I'm guessing at this point, you know, he must have had this conversation with him a couple years prior. And so now it was my turn. And I, I think out of maybe laziness, I just <laughs> I just applied to the Air Force Academy, followed my brother there, I got in. I got into a number of other kind of Ivy League schools out east. And my brother, I remember telling me, you know, you should, you should probably go to Princeton or you should go to Yale. You know, but, but out of respect for your father and his wishes at that point, I think I was like, okay, well, I, could, I guess I could do that later. Um, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a good experience having a sibling there because he was going to look out for you. And, and it's, it's tough school. 
Um, I graduated the Air Force Academy in 1999. I was shuttled off to pilot training, uh, joint specialized undergraduate pilot training at Laughlin Air Force Base, Texas. You know, I never wanted to be a pilot. I always wanted to be a doctor. My brother is a neurosurgeon. And um, again, to his kind of his wisdom, you could always be a doctor. You can never fly again. This is your window. You have to, if I were you, I would, I would go fly. And so I show up to Laughlin, I think it was April 2000. And I quickly, it's a hyper competitive environment. These are alpha people. They're very, very bright. They're athletic. They're patriots. They're officers. And it's, it's a hyper competitive environment, but it's also a weirdly cooperative environment. In any event, I graduated um, a distinguished graduate of my class. And at the time, the number one graduate picks first and the number two graduate picks second and the number 38 graduate picks last. And I was just, I was getting homesick. My brother was at the University of Pennsylvania in medical school. I'm from upstate New York. The closest active duty Air Force Base was McGuire Air Force Base, New Jersey. I picked the base and then I picked the plane, the KC-10 extender, which is mid-air refueling. Its primary mission is power projecting and bringing, bringing the fight to the forward edge of the battlefield. And, and that could be a fighter package. It could be bombers. It could be coalition aircraft. And I started that um, training, I think it was May of 2001. Well, I graduated Saturday, September 8th, 2001. I mission planned my first mission on Monday, September 10th, 2001. And I took off to coast out over the Atlantic at 6 a.m. on Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. Was my first day flying as a fully qualified U.S. Air Force pilot. It was, you know, I mean, first day of work, fresh haircut, shiny boots, get up extra early, make sure you're on time early, you know, on, on time in the Air Force is early. And uh, I remember mission planning the day before with a gentleman who was notorious about taking out the brand new lieutenants who just graduated and, you know, he was ready to kind of beat on you and stress you out and, and make sure you knew that it wasn't over. It was just getting started. So, you know, it's not, not necessarily like the Navy where everyone's got a call sign, but everyone does have nicknames and, you know, we called him the silver Fox. He was, I was 22 years old and he had a, a full head of gray hair and uh, we took off and coasted out, out over the Atlantic, um, not too far off the coast of Atlantic City. And everyone remembers, if you don't, a clear blue, glassy, perfect September day in, in the Northeast in New Jersey. And then we got a call a radio call from NORAD, North American Aerospace Defense, call sign Huntress. And I remember thinking, this is impossible. Like NORAD is located in Colorado. How are they contacting me in this UHF frequency? But they know my call sign. So NORAD calls and says, Team T2, say your state. And I respond, New Jersey, which is the incorrect response to that question. <laughs> I would later 
very quickly actually learned that um, they're asking for the status of Eurocraft. You know, at the time, I mean, a, a sample would be, you know, uh, Team 22, Angels 26, heading 340, four souls on board, five plus 15 fuel, fully operational. And the only reason they're going to ask that question is because they need you for something. So this is around, I think, shortly after 9 a.m. Eastern uh, time out over the Atlantic. And the, the Silver Fox, the instructor pilot, immediately transfers aircraft control to me. So now I'm flying and he's taking the radios. He responds accordingly and properly. And NORAD uh, directs us to contact New York Center, you know, whatever the frequency is, 135.8. Um, he does that. New York clears Team 22, direct JFK, pilot discretion, five to 50,000 feet. The colonel turns to me and says, deadpan, serious, not joking. I think someone detonated a nuclear weapon somewhere in the United States. Now, there's some context here. I, it's my first day of work, and I don't know why he's saying this. I don't know what is going on. I don't think many Americans at this point knew what was going on, but he knew something was wrong. And, and, and looking back, he wasn't, he wasn't too far off. Um, but it was my first day and I was confused and I have no idea why he would say that. And maybe he's just trying to stress me out. Perhaps it's a new guy initiation thing. When they cleared us direct JFK pilot discretion, five to 50,000 feet, that's when it kind of like dawned on me as new as I was, that this was serious. That could only mean that all of the airspace was clear. You don't give somebody pilot discretion to climb, descend, turn left or right at their discretion unless there's nothing else there that they can quote-unquote hit or interfere with. And that's JFK, that's LaGuardia, that's Newark, that's Teterboro, not to mention this air corridor between... Boston to Philadelphia, down to D.C., and all of the traffic that's coming over the Atlantic Ocean from the night before. All of that stuff has got to be out of there for them to give that. And and that's when it kind of like dawned on me, something was wrong, and this is not something that the colonel could make happen (laughs) for, for fun. And you're listening to Peter Braxton recall his first day as an Air Force pilot and getting that call from NORAD and that pilot discretion to fly between 5,000 and 50,000 feet altitude. In other words, clear skies, not a plane in sight. And that's when he understood something serious had happened. By the way, if you know that area, there's JFK, Teterboro, LaGuardia, and Newark, all within maybe 25 miles of each other, throw in Philly and Boston. And that has never happened in American airspace. It's his first day on the job. When we come back, what happens next? Peter Braxton shares his story here on Our American Stories. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. 
so grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back, and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. What does it take to run a small business? Heart, smarts, and the nerve to risk it all in the face of adversity. Listen to The Unshakables, the new podcast now available from Chase for Business and iHeart. It features real stories from real small business owners who take you through the turmoil, triumphs, and quick turns that help their businesses break through. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. And we continue with our American stories and the story of Peter Braxton, an Air Force pilot on his first day at work on 9-11, piloting a KC-10 air refueler tanker and, well, learning that something disastrous had happened in New York City. Let's pick up where we last left off. So, you know, I'm flying now, so... Um, I look out the window, I'm in the right seat and, and I, I'm from upstate New York. I understand and am familiar with the geography of, of New York city, Manhattan, Long Island. I have family in Queens. I can see the smoke. I see the smoke. And, you know, we're asking, of course, what's going on, whether they, what's that they don't, I don't, they either don't know, they don't want to tell us. And it's kind of irrelevant at this point because we're an instrument of national power um, and we just need to execute the job. We need to do what they tell us to do. And so I look down, I see the smoke, and the only thing that, this is embarrassing, that, that I could think of at this point was I remember being a kid watching the 1989 World Series between the Oakland A's and the San Francisco Giants. I think it was game three, live, and there was an earthquake and there's bridges collapsing and there's smoke rising from San Francisco and there's fires and there's, I mean, obviously they canceled the game. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did not know this. I did not know that New York was in a seismic zone. I just thought that was, 
a San Andreas or a West Coast thing or a, but New York City, I thought it was built on bedrock and, you know, this wasn't going anywhere. It must have been an earthquake. Um, people will ask if I saw the towers collapse. And I must have, but I was vertical. I was, my, my perspective was bird's eye. I was above uh, New York, not horizontal. I didn't know it was the World Trade Center. I saw the smoke. I saw it was Southern Manhattan. And just then, I, I think I was kind of snapped back to, to reality because up next to our wing pull these two F-15 Eagles fighter jets armed with bombs, missiles, JDAM, Sparrows, AIM-9, whatever. I, you know, I'd just never seen it before. The, the ultimate irony, I mean, you spend all this time in the military. Most people never see combat. And in the U.S., you're not typically seeing fighter. You'll see them. You'll see fighter jet, and it's fun to watch, and they do flybys, but they're, not, they're unarmed. They're not, they can't, they won't have these missiles on them flying over a stadium. You know, you, just, you could destroy Philadelphia with one of these things. And, you know, here I am a couple hours into my first flight and these, these jets pull up and we are all of a sudden doing an operational mission, giving them fuel. You know, they come in low left, they take the fuel, they climb high right and they are armed to the teeth. And they are, I mean, it's like a movie. It was like a movie. They were peeling off, flipping upside down and flying back. To New York, and so all of the fighter jets that you saw uh, flying up and down the Hudson, the East River, you know, patrolling New York, and they had their specific mission and orders. Um, I refueled all of those jets, and um, and, and of course the sun had set, and the, the smoke was still going on, and the, some of the lights in New York were coming on, and the bridges were lighting up, and we still didn't know what was happening, what was going on, but we were there, we're doing the mission. And, and then um, I remember the other KC-10 coming and what we'll do typically is we'll transfer as much fuel as we can and reserve as much fuel as we need to get back. And I remember, I remember being put on like a 45 mile final approach and in, we're, we're flying straight in, we land we pull into parking and I hop out of the seat and I go to the door and we open the door and we have these, you know, air stairs and I'm greeted at the door by an airman wearing a helmet, a, you know, a flak vest. He's got an M16 at the ready and he's, you know, sir, I need to see your ID. And I, I just, I just remember thinking, <laughs> okay, I'm, we're back. What? What happened? <laughs> uh, isn't this jet enough identification for you? Like I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm one of the good guys. And you know, obviously, I didn't say that, but I showed him my. He's doing his job. He did an outstanding job. That's his job. Um, I showed him my ID. He escorted the entire crew off the plane, like I guess in a movie. Uh, to this Intel vault and they had this vault and it was a vault. It had like a vault with a door, kind of like you'd see in a bank with a, you know, 
And we get on there and we, you know, drop our gear and, and then just, I mean, the questions just came fast and furious. It was, you know, did, did you hear from United 93? Was there a distress call from American 11 or American 77? And, um, no, I didn't, no, we didn't get anything. We didn't, we weren't called. I didn't hear any beacons or anything on the emergency, um, frequencies, VHF or UHF, um, and they still didn't tell us what happened. I don't, they still didn't tell us what happened. So uh, I hop in my car and the commute from McGuire to where I lived in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, it was about 45 minutes. And, you know, you turn on the radio and you start to hear some reporting of what happened. And at this point, it's, it's close to 2 a.m., uh, maybe 2.30 in the morning. And... Um, yeah, I guess I'd been up at that point for almost 24 hours. So I, I get back to the to my place. It's a little townhouse in Mount Laurel. I turn on the TV, and it's like the first images that I saw of what had happened that were, I'm sure, playing on repeat on every news channel or every channel in America, maybe even the world. And I, I kind of like dawned on me that I was the first military asset there, but I was probably one of the last people in America to learn what happened. One of the, one of the quotes I learned at the Air Force Academy, um, we have this little book called Checkpoints and you got to memorize all of these things. One of them stuck with me to be like word for word true. There is no limit to the good you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. Ronald Reagan. That is true. You know, there is no limit to the good you can do if you do not care who gets the credit. But I, I'll leave you with this. Okay, so people say, well, well, why weren't you interviewed, you know, as the first pilot over New York on 9-11? And, you know, you often think about, like, I guess the left tackle in football. You know, after the Super Bowl, no one's talking to that guy. Like, how was it? You know, like, no, I just did my job. What if we weren't there? Well, we wouldn't have won. You know, air fueling is one of the things that really separates our ability to project power anywhere over the earth as a, as a kind of a fighting force. And without that, no one's going anywhere. You have to have the fuel. So I kind of look at it like, well, I was the left tackle, and they, they want to interview the quarterback you know, left tackle's fine with that. But this is an opportunity to talk about the tackle. Like, what were you thinking during the Super Bowl? Don't let that guy get around me. Contain. That's it. I know the play. If I do my job, the rest will take care of itself. That's, you know, it's a left tackle story, I guess. And a terrific job on the production, editing, and storytelling by our own Greg Hengler. And a special thanks to Peter Braxton, for sharing his story. And I love the metaphor he left us with, and that is he was like the left tackle. He was doing his job. And we got to hear a very different perspective because of it. And what a job he had to do. And it's true, without air refuelers, well, America can't project its air power across the world. And so, yes, the pilots get the headlines. Without the air refuelers and so many other countless people following their orders and doing their job, well, the pilot's job isn't possible. 
By the way, what a role his brother played in all of this and his dad. His whole life would have been different. As his brother said to him, as it related to his desire to be a doctor, his brother said, you can always be a doctor, but you can't always be a pilot, and you can't always serve your country, said his father. You should serve this country before you can enjoy this country. My goodness, if we could all have dads like that and project that kind of power onto our kids, the power of service. And of course, my goodness, being the first on site practically, but the last to know what actually happened, the irony of the story and the irony of service in the end, the story of Peter Braxton, the story of what public service sounds like, especially in our military here on Our American Stories. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zinn.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.